0: Good morning, Church. Today's Bible reading comes from Psalm 119. So, Psalm 119, and we're starting from verse 9 through to 16. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following, in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word.
1: thanks for that Peter why read your Bible? how can we read our Bibles? that's the question for the day we're going to look at what uh, what we can glean really from this part of this longest chapter in the Bible and even though it's only a short part <laughs> might still be quite a fair bit to get out of it So. So please uh, come with me as we as we unpack it. This psalm, uh, all of Psalm 119 is what's called an an, an acrostic poem. I had to brush up on my poetry skills a bit for this. An acrostic poem. Actually, students, any students in here? What is an acrostic poem? Anyone know a poem? Just sing out. You're not a student, you're a teacher. You're supposed to (laughs) any students? Oh, all right, then. All right, adults, anyone else? What is it, an acrostic? Can you guess, David? That's right, yeah. So, so it's when you put like uh, letters down the left-hand side and you start each line um, with that letter. And this is what the, the writers of this psalm uh, have done. They, they took the, the Hebrew alphabet... Um, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and they said each part of this psalm is going to start with this letter. Why that's significant or interesting at least, not interesting, it's important. Um, It's the the letter for B, the part of the psalm that Peter read to us is B, it's, it's Beth or Beth is the name of the Hebrew letter. It looks like that on the screen. It is also the same word in the Hebrew language for house. And these old poets were very deliberate. They didn't do stuff just, oh, that's cool, that that lined up. No, no, they they were very artistic, very deliberate. And even in saying that this part of the psalm corresponds with this letter, baith, uh, that sounds, same word for house. He's saying to us, here's what God wants you to do. God wants you to make your heart a house for his word. I have hidden your word in my heart. That's the part where the psalm captures it at its finest. Make your heart a house for the word of God. I want to put some questions to this whole idea. When? should we do this? What can we do? I mean, what does it look like practically? Why should we do it? That's the simple structure of what I want to take you through. When? What? Why? Number one, when. I have an apple tree that's about three or four years old. I remember when I got it, I had to do the whole gardening thing where you put the stake in the ground and go and beg your wife for an old stocking. to tie the thing up, (laughs) make sure that it grows in the direction and the way I want it to go. That's the way with trees, I believe. You've got to direct them, you've got to guide them and obviously it's better when they're younger. Significant that the psalm starts with how does a young person get on the right path? The younger, the better. You realise the younger you are, the more pliable you are, the more thin the tree is, the, 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 the better it is to start getting your heart to become a house for the Word of God. So if you're a young person here this morning, absolutely, you've got to understand, this psalm speaks in a very overt way to, to you, almost, <laughs> as of most importance. Get into it. It's for you. Make your heart a house for the Word of God. As young as as you possibly can, but then the question is of course, what if I'm old? <laughs> is it too late for me? Never. I love watching when you go bushwalking some of those trees that have fallen and you see them with this almost straight up elbow bend and they they restored. they start growing again. You think it's dead or it's just a sprout that comes out, it's never too late. So, if you're here today and it is, it is for you, you know, already well and truly in the autumn of life, and, and you think it's too late, there's too much baggage, too much brokenness. No, no, it's not. The sooner the better, which means now, this week, this month, again is the time for us to work with this. What can we do? Let's drill down a bit. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on in this psalm and, and I'll just give you some things of what can we do to make our hearts a house for the Word of God. Number one, memorise it. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Memorise it. How many phone numbers? Now that's going to be very age-related. How many phone numbers do you know off by heart? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying... So, I, I knew ten phone numbers, I think, in year nine. One for each girl I dated. It was, <laughs> it was the first thing you did. is, Can you give me your number and how quickly can I, can I memorise... This is looking bad. Now that I'm talking about dating and throwing off the shirt. But, you know, you, we did that in the old days. We, we had to memorize stuff. You had to know stuff. Mathematical formulas. It are not apps. <laughs> we had to commit them to memory, right? Um, and, and we live in a world where everything moves away from that. The way we educate um, with Google, with, 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 with all sorts of apps and internet and all those kinds of things, less and less do we focus on memorizing stuff and more and more do we focus on, on problem solving and, and, and working our resources to arrive at problems rather than simply memorizing things. Now I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go into the depths of criticizing all of those things. There's, there's nothing wrong per se with apps or critical thinking and, and those sorts of things. In fact, when it comes to apps, I'm going to showcase a few later to help us as a tool in our Bible reading. But here's the thing. God does not want to have a relationship with an app. He wants it with you. And he is going to show you who he is and what he's like and bring you into his presence when his word is in you. Not in the book, not in the resource, not on the podcast. In you. You get the difference? There's a, there's a difference. You become the app. <laughs> you are <laughs> the book in, in which it is. And, and I think that's the, the gap we, we can close with this whole idea of, of memorization. Of Scripture. Now, now let's move on to be a bit practical here. What does it look like? You know, you go well. Where do I start? Are you talking memorizing all of this? I, I w- uh, sure, right? You go. I'm new to church. I I I hate reading. I don't I don't do it. I don't I don't even know if I can read the Bible if I wanted to. Don't overthink this. If you're new to this, and if you're new to to God and to the Bible, can I, can I ask you that your, your first steps could be as simple as take one or two verses, verses as a sentence or two in the Bible and just learn them off by heart. If you're struggling to know what they might be, uh, if you have a friend who, who knows God and loves God, let him help you. If there's a, a topic of, of life that, that for you is very important, most Bibles these days would have in the back words uh that you can look up verses around that word love or or forgiveness or anger whatever it is and and pick one or two for the year as basic as that right maybe you've known god for a very long time and you know you're you're kind of good to go and and, and move on a little bit to to I referenced our kids. We believe they can know the Lord's Prayer off by heart. They never, ever have to read it again out of a Bible. By the end of this year, they won't. Because it will be here. We can do some of the Psalms. You can do a whole Bible book. You don't have to paraphrase it word for word, but, but you can read a book enough times to know some of the wonderful things that God reveals there about who he is and who you are (laughs) and who his church is, right? We can move on until eventually, well, in the ancient days, people could memorise most of this. We're capable of it. How to do it practically? Uh, It's interesting the psalm said, recount with your lips. When you read, do you read out loud or silently? Just yell out at me, most of you. Silent, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very new thing in human history, do you know that? Really? For the vast majority of human history, reading is an out loud thing. Now, you might feel like an idiot doing this. But I challenge you on a very practical note. When you read your Bible, your personal devotion, if you're in a place where you're alone, read it out loud you'll be astounded how different it is. Because what you're engaging is you're engaging your ears, your eyes, and then when you add the other technique of reading it, writing it, hearing it, seeing it, (laughs) singing it if you can add music to it, it gets into your heart. It moves deeper into the house. Silently reading is, is difficult when we've got to capture our concentration often and, you know, turn the phone off anyway, but, <laughs> but read it, recount with your lips, you'll be astounded what difference it makes. Reading out loud? Wonderful, so you f- certainly feel the difference in doing it. Ah, thanks Guy, and, uh, totally, glad to hear that. I've started doing it only more recently in my life and I was quite, a, quite surprised. Um, all right, so memorizing it, that's the first thing, that's, that's what we can do, okay, number two, uh, rejoice in it, I'm not going to spend too much more time on this, I think we kind of touched on that in our little meditation exercise, so I'll skip over this, this one and I'll move to the third one, here's what else you can do to make your heart a home for the Word of God, meditate on it. First thing you might say to me here is, I don't know about meditation because this is what we get into, right? I, I should sit down for it, isn't it? It's is a good, the. Uh, that's not what you have to do. <laughs> Don't do that. Our culture and our movies, and this is due to Hollywood, is that meditation is really uh, a lot connected to Eastern forms of meditation, and a lot of that, in short, in brief, is that the, the, the aim is to, to empty your mind of content and then arrive at a place of peace and those sorts of things. Biblical meditation is quite the opposite. You're not emptying your mind. You're filling it. You, you, you want to stuff it <laughs> with the Word of God. That's, that's, that's the, the outset that we just need to clarify. Here's what a, one writer uh, says about this. Biblical meditation is recalling what we have committed to memory and listen to this, then turning it over And over in our minds to see the fullest implications and applications of the truth. Turning it over and over in our minds to see the fullest, and widest, and deepest, and richest applications of that truth. You've committed the truth to memory, but what does God want to do with it? That's the work of meditation. The aim of asking ourselves, what does this show me about who God is and what he's like? Is to bring me into an encounter with that God who is present when you read your Bible. See, the Bible is not a spell book or a magical thing. It's a means to an end. The end is to encounter the living God to whom it introduces us. Your Bible reading times is meant to lead you into an encounter. In the moment of which he will show you how that truth is supposed to bring you usually just an incredible sense of awe and wonder and marvel at his greatness. You need that. For everything you hope God would do in your life, you need that more than anything, is is to be in that place of worship and understand who he is and how great he is. But more than that, in those moments too, he will shine the light on things that are perhaps not right in your life, but in such a way that makes you so sensitive and lovingly keen for him to change specifics he will bring you comfort and your grief if that is what he shows about himself and about yourself and about his church and his world you won't get that every time but God willing more and more our time spent in the word and our meditations will lead us there it's what it's supposed to do where it's supposed to take us and that's why this is so important in the Christian life because there it is where we encounter the living word Jesus right? Meditate on it I've given you the two questions they're very basic there are the meditative techniques but, but, but what does it show me about God who he is, what he's like what does it show me about Jesus what does it show me about the Holy Spirit But these are personal questions. Who they are and what they're like. These aren't rules. They're they're very personal. What does it show me about me as a person, us as a group of people of the church? Just those two things. Just start with that and, and you'll be surprised how much happens. All right. Meditation. We move on to the last one before the final point. What do I do to make my heart a house for the word of God? Delight in it. You might say the light sounds the same as rejoice. They're similar, but the light has a difference. The second line sort of gives a bit of context. Don't neglect the Word of God. There is a bit of discipline involved here. We don't always, like Dana said in the beginning, feel like it. <laughs> we don't, we're not, in our sinful natures, drawn to this as much as we are to Netflix. It, it just, it, it, we're not. Right, we're not drawn to this as much as we are to Nintendo. We're not drawn to this as much as we are to tinkering outside in the shed, whatever it is, or to sleep still for that extra half hour in the morning. This is where the tools that are out there might be very helpful. There are your first tool, your first help, is the Christian community. Bible reading is a shared thing, so small groups, mentorships, a Christian friend with whom you do this is very helpful. But number two, the other resources that are out there, alarms on your phone, put, put the alarms out there, put the reminders out. Um, put your post-it notes if writing is still your thing on your car steering wheel, put it in your mirror in the morning where you put your makeup on. That doesn't work for me, but if you, it's your thing, then do it. If, put it on the Back of the toilet door. I don't know, put it wherever you have to put it, but, but make it in your face to enhance the discipline. So i got to, it's not just going to naturally happen. I've got to get a bit of discipline. Apps are very useful. Uh, I'd like you to think about, I was going to put them on a slide, but I haven't. There are some great Bible apps to help you with this. Many of you use them as I talk to you. Solid Joys is one from John Piper. I'll just mention it by name, jot it down if you want. It's a great app that will send you a devotion every day. It takes about four or five minutes to read. If you're a fan of the Heidelberg Catechism, it's one of the best Bible studies that's ever been written about the Christian faith. There's one called New City Catechism. It will take you through all the questions and answers of that. It's a fantastic resource that will bolster your delight. Daily Bread, many of you have used that. They've got an app. It's really good. Word for Today has an app. It's really good. Hard copies of that, I think, can still be come by, but let's stick to the tech for a bit. U version we've promoted in the past. It's a mixed bag. You've got to have your wits about you navigating the resources on there, but there's good stuff on there. And then, and then lastly, I'll just back Jess on this. Um, this Preachers Workshop. There's a lot of meat eaters in this church when it comes to scripture. You're, you're, you're ready for something more. You, you, you've done this devotional thing in questions and don't stop, but, but you're ready to go deeper. You can never stop. This preacher's workshop, consider it quite seriously, quite strongly. Jump in and start eating some of that meat as well. Alright, let me... Move to the last point. We've spoken about when to start in your life. We've spoken about what to do. Why should we do it? Here's the psalm's answer. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. At the surface, it's possible to fall short of what this means. we have got to be careful to not read this and say, The Christian's main aim in life is a fear of getting in trouble with God for sinning. We will. I mean, that is why the cross was necessary. Jesus had to get in the trouble for us. That's how serious this is. But ultimately, that's not the motivator God wants for us. I don't want my kids to do the right thing because they're afraid of what I'm going to do to them when they do the wrong thing. I want them to love what is right because they're my kids. And I want them to grow up to to be like my kids. And and I'm imperfect, but God is perfect and you're His child and He wants you to grow up to be like His child, to grow into that, to strengthen in that. And so the whole purpose of all of this hiding the Word in your heart is so that you may grow as a child of God into the purposes and the shape and the likeness of who He has created you to be. It's indispensable. You you, you will not grow in that unless this practice of hiding his word in your heart is part of your life. If you're stuck in your Christian life, you say, I don't know, there's nothing in God for me anymore and it's all just stuck, this is it. This is where you have to go. Hide your word in my heart that I might grow that I might not sin against you. That's the motivation. Now let me finish this off. Let's conclude. You may say to me this morning, I don't know if I can do this. Frankly, I feel too overwhelmed. I've failed too many times. I feel despairing. I feel guilty. Or worse still, you think that this is a self-help strategy that you can improve your life by seven steps to making yourself a better person. Years ago, a friend of mine struggled with growing in his relationship with God. He's doing fine now. But the way he described it to me was like this. He said, it feels like my relationship with God and my faith is it's like a car that needs to move. But the only way it's moving is I'm pushing it. It's getting too hard. In fact, when the uphills come, you know, the car's going backwards. It it, it it feels like it wants to crush me. And the only way it makes an inch or two forward is if I push it. Friends, doing all the things I've mentioned today simply will never have the power to change your life. It will never get you into a life-giving relationship with the living God. There is one thing that is necessary for a car to move on its own. It's got to have fuel. If it doesn't have fuel, it won't run on its own. And the psalm gives you the fuel in a wonderful way that we must finish off because it's so important. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, Praise be to you, O Lord. You teach me your decrees. Do you know that every time you open your Bible, what is supposed to take place in that moment is a supernatural activity? There's nothing natural about it. It is the point where the sovereign God who has promised to pour out His Spirit into you, He will, as He has promised, take that word and He will put it into your heart. Do you pray that before you read the Bible? You, Lord, teach me. You let this meditation exercise lead me to you. I need you. This is your work. Listen to this from another part of the Bible that puts it so beautiful. God speaks. He says, I will put my law in their minds. I will love the imagery. Write it on their hearts. No longer will they teach their neighbour and say to one another you should know God because they will all know me It speaks of the end time ultimately from the least of them to the greatest. In your pursuit to make God's word make your heart a home for God's word you have an unassailable power at your disposal and a promise. I want to leave you with that. I want to leave you with the hope that your heart, my heart, all of ours, can more and more start to be renovated to look like it is a home for the Word of God. Let's pray. Praise be to you, God. As we go forth from here, teach us your decrees. Take each of us, whether it's one verse, whether it's the preacher's workshop, whether it's changes in our routines, our patterns, do, Father, we pray, what only you can, to drive your heart deeply, into our, your word deeply into our hearts. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.